Thank you for downloading this sermon. We hope you've been blessed by this ministry. If you'd like to give back, please invest in the future of Clearnote Church through our capital campaign, Faithful Through All Generations. To make a donation, visit clearnotebloomington.com slash give. Good morning. <clears throat> well, I'm uh, truly delighted to see you all here this morning. <clears throat> it's uh, not a better way, excuse me, <clears throat> going to have to pull that cough drop out at the beginning. There's no better way, I think, to celebrate Christmas than with the people of God on Christmas morning. So I am very, very happy to see you guys. Um, my passage today is uh, maybe not what you would have expected for a Christmas morning sermon, but, <coughs> but that's all right. Uh, it's from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, beginning with verse 11. Now, Paul, you've, we've uh, had a number of sermons uh, uh, in Corinthians in both books. Um, I think we've gotten into 2 Corinthians, right? Am I insane? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so a lot of, lot of sermons, and so we kind of have an idea of what's going on in Corinthians, that Paul is dealing with a church where there's all kinds of fighting and uh, sin, terrible sin, and he stops in the middle of uh, this chapter, and if just a few verses, he says, he makes an appeal to them. He says, our mouth has spoken freely to you, O Corinthians, our heart is opened wide. You are not restrained by us, but you are restrained in your own affections. Now in like exchange, I speak as to children, open wide to us also. So the question I want to ask you is, how should we keep Christmas this year? Um, there's a wonderful line in uh, A Christmas Carol near the end after Scrooge has gone visited all the you know, ghosts of Christmas past and present and future and so forth. He says, at the very end, he decides he's not going to be a Scrooge anymore. He says, I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. And I, I love that phrase, keep Christmas. How should we keep Christmas this year? Well, last night, if you were here, uh, Jake was, was warning us about one of the ways that we should not keep Christmas, um, and that is to be a perfectionist about it, right? And, and many of us fall into this trap. We know what Christmas is supposed to be like, and uh, we want it to be exactly that way. So that includes children waking up and not fighting and being truly grateful for their presence and not being disappointed. Maybe it means delicious food or family that doesn't squabble or get on each other's nerves or anything like that. Giving carefully considered presents that are genuinely appreciated. This is what Christmas is supposed to be. And of course, no one's Christmas is ever perfect like that, right? There's always something to mar that perfect uh, picture that you want to frame in your mind. There's always something that keeps it from being that idyllic thing that you want to preserve forever. But that's okay, because Christmas has never been like that, not least of all for uh, Joseph and Mary, right? 
This is not the Christmas that was uh, made an example for us, so we shouldn't hope for a fake Christmas like that. So we shouldn't keep Christmas like that by trying to be a perfectionist. Another option or another way that some like to keep Christmas, you might say, is to be highly spiritual by being glum all season. You know, they constantly reminding us of, to think of the refugees or, or kids in the Congo or, or Aleppo. Now, the key here is that the goal of someone who goes around being glum uh, isn't actually to help anybody. Of course, it's good to help people, um, especially this time of year. But the goal of someone who makes it a point to be glum all the time isn't to help anyone. The goal in this case is to show their superior uh, spirituality and godliness. But of course, being glum is not next to godliness. So the gospel of Jesus Christ is good news, and it doesn't honor God or keep Christmas well by being down in the dumps. A third option is those who approach Christmas as me time, right? It's a chance to rest and relax and finally get what I want, what I've been waiting for all all year long. Children, I think, fall into this trap. Of course, we all do, but they think about Christmas all year, and it's all about what they want, right? The presents under the tree or whatever. And so for me to be happy, I need good sleep, I need good presents, I need delicious food, and if I don't get those things, all bets are off, and I'm allowed to be as grumpy as, as I like, right? This is no way to keep Christmas, and I think we can all agree that Christmas is not simply one way, one big reason for us to be selfish. <clears throat> now, the, the trouble with Christmas, if you want to put it like that, I feel almost sacrilegious for saying that, but the trouble with Christmas is that uh, we all know that we're supposed to be happy, we're supposed to be joyful, but often we're not on Christmas. It exposes us. Christmas reveals the true source of all our hopes and aspirations and dreams, and this is a good thing But sometimes we come in for a rocky landing. Sometimes we're not expecting the bump on the way down. And so I've picked this small passage in in Corinthians because in it, I believe, Paul tells us how to have a happy Christmas. He tells us how to keep Christmas well. Now, Paul, one of the good things about Paul is that he never leaves you wondering about what he's thinking or feeling, right? This is a good thing. And the Corinthian church was pretty messed up. It was full of jealousy and division and fighting and terrible sin. And Paul didn't hesitate to speak freely to them. He spoke his mind. But Paul wasn't just a scold. He didn't go around with his discernment stick hitting people on the head. He says that his heart was open wide to them. Now what does it mean to have your heart open wide to somebody? We use this phrase, I think, to have a big heart, a wide heart, a large heart, big-hearted guy. A wide open heart is a friend who's willing to sit and listen to you blather on about a bad day, right? A wide open heart is a husband who talks to you. A wide open heart is a wife who knows what you need before you need it. A wide open heart is a father who hugs and kisses and exhorts and rebukes and loves his children. Paul was pleading with the Corinthians like a tender father pleads with his children. Now we all know or should know that the foundation for Christmas is God's love 
for us. Paul was making an appeal to the Corinthians here, and it's the very same appeal that God makes to us. He makes it to us from beginning to end of Scripture. I could pick a million examples, but I'll just pick two, one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. In Isaiah, God says, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. God appeals to his people to come and reason with him. Or in the New Testament, Jesus, near the time of his death, he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were unwilling. Jesus came to show God's love to us. From front to back, from beginning to end, the scriptures are filled with God pleading for his people to turn away from their sins and open their heart to him. God has spoken freely to us indeed. So how do we know the love of God? It isn't based on the number of presents we get under the tree. It isn't based on our family situation. It's not based on where we live, whether that's Aleppo or Congo or Bloomington. It's based on God being our Father, God being your Father. It's based on the knowledge that God is your Father. And God has promised to be a Father to those who cry out to Him for mercy and grace. He has promised to be a Father to those who plead the blood of Christ as a covering for their sin. Now many of you are tentative or unsure about the love of God for you. My prayer for you this Christmas is Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. He says, he prays that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. This is my prayer for you this Christmas. God's love for us is perfectly displayed in the birth of little baby Jesus. Now, if verse 11 here helps us to understand God's love towards us, God's open heart toward us, then verse 12 is a picture-perfect diagnosis of who we are. There are two parts to this, this verse 12. First, he says, you are not restrained by us. Then he goes on to say, you are restrained in your own affections. So first, why does he say you are not restrained by us? Who said the Corinthians were being restrained by Paul? Well, most likely the Corinthians, right? He's probably responding to an accusation made to him by the Corinthians. So presumably, they were accusing him and blaming him and saying it's his fault that their affections were so restrained. Now, when we aren't willing to love others, the first thing we do is accuse, right? We find fault. If you're in the habit of accusing others, it's a good indication that you don't love. And we are so quick to accuse, aren't we? We do it without even thinking. We do it without even knowing that we're doing it, not that that makes it any less bad. It's as if it's our native language to accuse others. And especially on Christmas, 
Whose fault is it when Christmas gets all messed up and doesn't go as planned? Your wife messed up the food or your husband's a blockhead and bought you a toaster? Your children were ungrateful for their presence? Your family gathering was marred by conflict? No matter what our hopes and aspirations are for Christmas, someone else is responsible for messing them up. And so we accuse others. More than that, just as the Corinthians accused Paul, the very one who was coming to them in love, we accuse God, who has opened his heart to us. We don't receive his love, but we accuse instead of being grateful for it. Now some of you, some of us, may flat out say that you do hate your sister or your husband or your son or your daughter. And of course, that's just evil. How can you say that you love God and don't love those closest to you? It's impossible. But maybe you're beyond that. Maybe you don't even hope for joy anymore. Maybe you've found that the pain and disappointment is too great and so you don't even try. You're cold and distant, and that too is evil. That too is evidence of a small, shriveled heart. Maybe you have difficulty that just keeps on going. Maybe you have someone that's difficult to live with or have to care for someone who's sick or old. And it just is so hard, and you think to yourself, I can only handle so much. But I want you to hear Paul's words to you this morning. They are to you. We have not restrained you. God has not restrained you. You are restrained in your own affections. Now you know the remedy. You know what's coming. Verse 13 tells us what to do. In return, Paul says, I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. Widen your hearts. Whew, that's the hard part, isn't it? It's the want to. How do we widen our hearts? Well, I'll tell you one hint. One hint is to luxuriate in and to be grateful for the mercy of God to you. God has blessed us beyond anything we can think or imagine. God has given us his son, Jesus Christ, as a propitiation for our sin. What good news. What glorious news. The song we sang earlier is such a wonderful song. Description of this good news. Come to earth to taste our sadness. He whose glories knew no end. By his life he brings us gladness. Our redeemer, shepherd, friend. Leaving riches without number. Born within a cattle stall. This the everlasting... I'm sorry. (laughs) The everlasting wonder, Christ was born, the Lord of all. Now each year we celebrate that God sent his only begotten son 
to this world to save his people from their sins. Don't close your heart to God. He has opened it to you. And I'm sorry for crying. Now, Merry Christmas. It's God's gift to you. His son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray.